This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. So I made it to Ghana, Accra, to be exact, and I came here with uh, an enormous amount of faith. First of all, y'all know I don't like to fly. I hate flying. It's a 10-hour flight. I survived. Wasn't anxious, didn't have nervous breakdown as I do on two-hour flights. This was it was peaceful. Got here, didn't really know what to expect. So two folk that I met on my radio show said that they were going to join, they were going to come to Africa and show me around. Now I didn't put any stock in it. I didn't have any expectations. I had a whole tour thing set up. I had paid for it through another organization. This year of return to Ghana and. Uh, a couple of things happened. First of all, um, the hotel that I wanted to stay in was sold out. The next hotel was sold out. So I had to rely on another buddy that got me a condo, which turned out to be the most amazing uh, turn of events for me in my visit here because it just opened the whole world. And the condo came with a driver. But let me welcome uh, we're in Africa right now. We're in Ghana. People like, be specific. There are 57 countries. Yes, we're in Ghana. We're in Accra, to be exact. We're in a very nice neighborhood across the street from the former president, Mr. Rawlings, President Rawlings, <laughs> Prime Minister Rawlings. Let me welcome to my podcast, Doctors Michelle Yaboa and Doctors, no, Doctors Michelle Yaboa, Dr. Michelle Yaboa, and Dr. Nana Yao Adu Sakhodi. Sakhodi. Something like that. All right. Hey, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Always, you for why, having why us. Why don't mess up your name? I can say I, I can say a quabba. And you're here now, so you should get it right. By I should now. a quabba. I can say sanyate, sanyate. <laughs> I can <laughs> say debe, debe, debe. Yeah. I'm like real good with that. I know my name is. A, I know she's Ajwa. I'm a Kosia. Yes. Um, I, you know, I can say uh uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Agnes. Yes, yes, Agnes. Um, <laughs> thank y'all. First of all. This trip would not have been this without you. And I want to say something to everyone who travels. Travel with an open mind. All right. So before I came here, you guys were on that radio on Sirius XM talking about, you know, when you get off the plane and all of the things we're going to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what made y'all come here this time to to kind of do this? Well, I think first we want to say thank you for coming. That's number one. Number two, um, thank you for having an open mind. And number three, I think one of the things that I appreciate most is that you are willing to be flexible to the experience. Um, and I think that you <laughs> have been quite, been quite entertaining on the trip. That's number one. And number two, well, I'll give you a whole bunch of numbers, but it, it's been a joy for me to be able to share my experience of Ghana with you. And all the things that we've done here, it's it's been really enjoyable for me to see like your your uh, your enjoyment of it all, and your willingness to try different things, and also your willingness to try different foods and experiences, and so on and so forth. So I think going in for me, I was hoping that we would give you uh, a very authentic experience or Ghanaian experience. And I think that um, I mean you could say yes or no, but I, I think for me, I think we've accomplished that. So thank you yeah. for being open, and thank you for coming. And uh, again, Aquaba. Aquaba. It's interesting you asked us what made us come to Ghana with you. So we were on your radio show in June, June 12th to be exact, 
And on Why the do you know that? I know. That's, uh, I'm, I'm a <laughs> little lost in that regard. Let me just tell y'all, Michelle is off the chain. Okay, go ahead, Michelle. So it was so interesting Dr. on June Jabal. 12th when we were talking about who we are, and we thought we came just to talk about public health, medicine, Alzheimer's disease, but the great part of that experience is we got to know you on the air. And so during that, you said, hey, why don't you all come to Ghana? We looked at each other and we said, sure. Challenge. <laughs> but the interesting thing is we talked about the year of return ahead of Ira being on your show, and Yao said, I think we should go to Ghana in December. And I said, I don't think we need to go to Ghana in December. That's a lot. We have a lot going on. So it really wasn't in our plans until we kind of sat at the show. We talked about it, and when you asked us, we said, why not? Because clearly right now is kind of Christmas time, New Year's, and so we are here without our two children. They yes. opened up gifts and everything without us, um, but, uh, but, but we thought that this was very important just in terms of experiencing this country with you. That, that right there, um, I, listen, people travel with their own agendas, and I've been watching folks use this time to highlight certain things about Ghana, but it was more a highlight of themselves, right? And the only place, and we're going to do several of these, we're going to talk about food, we're going to talk about money, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff um, in different podcasts, because um, I want to do that here while we're here. And, and let me just say, it's not lost on me that you have two babies, not just children. They're little kids, they're babies, they're beautiful, and you're here with me. And I'm like, I didn't expect you to come. You know, when I, I made the offer, I'm like, Man, they got kids, it's Christmas time. But if they come, you know, I didn't expect it. So when I got to the airport and you were there, I was like, oh, okay, all right. And then to spend time with you, let me just say, y'all, if you can find two beautiful people to, to take you through this journey, if you're going to come to Africa, some, I'm going to scratch y'all so we can make clones because <laughs> this is the only way to travel here in Ghana. And let me just, uh, you guys are both Ghanaian. Mm -hmm. Is that how you say Ghana, Ghanaian? Yeah. Um, uh, um, Dr. Nana Yao, you grew up here a little bit? You yeah, spent eight I was here until about age seven, then I came to the States. Okay, mm -hmm. and Michelle, you? I was actually born in Harlem, New York, so I was born in the United States, came to Ghana for about two years, but my entire life has pretty much been spent in New York City. Okay, so back and forth, though, mm -hmm. you, you have family, I've met your family, mm -hmm. oh yeah, man, this has been something. Uh, but if, when people say, you know, I'm from Ghana, what does that mean? What does Ghana mean to y'all? To be honest with you, being here with you has helped me to rediscover Ghana. So Ghana meant, when I was younger, the country my parents were from, and kind of looking at, at it through their lens. When I became in my 20s or so, Ghana meant, oh, wow, this is my history, coupled with my education. In my 30s, Ghana became more real. But now, having had this experience with you, I actually feel like, oh, this is my Ghana. Right, so this is for me the first time where it feels like my country. It hasn't really felt like my country, but through this experience of walking the journey of seeing the towns, eating the foods, even I know the language in terms of hearing, but speaking I'm not able to enunciate. Um, so even being able to speak again um, has made it that much more real to me. And um, I, I think Michelle has had more of a um, familial connection to Ghana because she's come back often as opposed to me who's only come back maybe two or three times. Uh, and my, my family is more spread out, so we don't really communicate that often except through WhatsApp. 
Um, but through this experience also, I, I would echo what she said. I, I feel that, you know, uh, staying with my dad and then staying with Michelle's aunt and then staying with you, it's like, it, it's real, you know. We, we speak to the people um, wherever we go. I practice a lot of tree since I've been here. Yes. Um, good, bad, and the ugly parts as well. So um, it's, been, it's been an experience. I, I mean, you know, just talking to the hawkers or talking to the bellmen at the airport or just talking to anybody in tree. It's really helped me, actually, just re kind of reconnect. Uh, and I know sometimes I look at you with that little, uh, you know, he's, he's a Yankee yeah. or the, oh, you know, yeah, but, right. but still it's like, oh, okay, they, they still respect the language, still respect, right. you know, the fact that I speak it. And, you know, when you go to places, you get the Ghanaian price, you get the American price, and it's good to have the Ghanaian price all the time. And it's good to be with you to have the <laughs> yeah. Ghanaian price. Madase. And when, why do I, when I speak Shri, people are laughing. They burst out laughing when I, when I say They Madase. do it to me as well okay. because we don't necessarily have the accent and the tongue as Dr. Nana Yao does. So but it makes them laugh though? Is it, it's, well, what the hell? It's, I'm it's, like, it's I'm insulting. A, it's more, it's, uh, I think no, it's a I'm nervous playing. laughter really. Like what the it's hell like, is going on here? <laughs> it's, a, it's a nervous <laughs> laughter for some because they're surprised that you're at least making the effort to speak okay. the language. You know, like I went to Thailand and I learned you kap kum krab, which is I think thank you. And every time a black man like myself says it, it's like oh, and they snicker a little bit, but they always say you know thank you back or whatever right. it is. So I think okay. that's really what it so is. So a, a, a laughter of appreciation. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't do any research. I didn't look at anybody's videos. I didn't go online. I got off that airplane. Um, you said Michelle, the air is different. And it's different, but it's familiar. It's different, but familiar. Like I smell that same mm -hmm. air in rural parts of Georgia, mm -hmm. like the backwoods of Georgia, mm -hmm. where you know my mother grew up in Augusta, but mm -hmm. I had cousins in other places mm -hmm. in South Carolina. And when I would go down south, the air smelled. It was heavier. Mm -hmm. It was sweeter. There's scents in there I'm not mm -hmm. familiar mm -hmm. with. The, yeah, for, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's there's something in the mm -hmm. air. But I, I recognized some of the smells, mm -hmm. so it wasn't completely like, oh, what is this? Right. The biggest shock for me, first of all, you know, I, I thought Ghana had 60 million people, but I think it's closer to 30 million mm -hmm. citizens. The enormous amount of people on the streets. I didn't expect people selling on the streets. It's chaos. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that. So I'm trying to process it even now. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? This is the 10th largest economy. Ghana has a 10, we're gonna talk about the money in another podcast. 10th largest economy in Africa. Um, Nigeria, South Africa, Egypt, and go down. Ghana's growing, it's got oil. Mm -hmm. It's got one of the fastest growing middle classes or wealthy class, but there's a wealth gap. There's an enormous amount, is it fake poverty? You know, going to Mexico, I've gone to other places, they beg. Mm -hmm. This is another level. Mm -hmm. well, well, I think it's important to understand that the primary Set, um, way of commerce here is trade, right? Trade via hand. So when we say trade, we're used to going to the grocery store to trade, we'll go to Costco to trade, various places. The trade is happening here on the streets a lot, but in addition, there's also a system to that organized chaos. If we go to those same streets, those same people are gonna be at that same area. Everyone Every kinda day. has their corner. So for us, it looks kind of chaotic, but there's also a system, right, in terms of how things happen. Um, as you're watching people and they're selling things, 
they're looking with their eyes sharply to see who wants the water that they're selling, right? And so I think there's an unspoken kind of ritual and language and, and, and flow that goes with even the people who are selling us things, but it's not our usual norm. If we had a whole bunch of supermarkets, the people would be there selling their wares in the supermarkets, but that just doesn't exist. And yeah, but it, it, like Michelle said, it is organized chaos, and even, even the unspoken, you know, <laughs> if you're driving by in your car and you make eye contact, oh, that's an opportunity for a sale. Mm -hmm. and, and the amazing part, too, I, I think you mentioned this as well, the women are carrying their wares on their heads. Everybody. Uh, from, from oil, kerosene, bread, uh, fried plantain, whatever you, peanuts, and it's perfectly balanced. And they're chasing the car, they're going to the car window, they're doing all they need in to do. In flip-flops. In flip-flops, they're changing the money, they're doing all the commerce right there, point-to-point, face-to-face. And it never, what, who And think who about this, that? and no one's being cheated. Right. So if you're doing, in, exchanging money, and somebody's waiting for you to give them five, five cents for, for water, you can give them one cent and then be gone. You don't see that happening. No. Think about that. Was that was another, so yeah. a couple of things, right? So I'm, I've seen this in New York, right? People sell oranges or they sell different things on the street. This is every block down the main strip, right? And it's lots of people. I saw, I saw people sell tires, uh, windshield wipers, like anything, car fresheners, air fresheners. I've seen- The Santa this, Claus hats. This, yes, this, this uh, detergent. Everything is sold on that street, perfectly balanced. I don't know where you learn that, but there's a, a, a wild kind of like, you're right, it, it is organized chaos. Uh, is that germane to us as black people? Is that, and, and the lack of the lack of cheating, not just the lack of cheating, there's a, there's a, a, a community, there's a understand, you know, like there's a bond almost. It's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. There is an unspoken understanding, and I think Africa as a continent, um, we house the fastest growing amount of young people, right? And so when you're thinking about what we're seeing on on the street in terms of the trade, one of the things I've been thinking is, where are these young people going to work? What are they going to do, right? Um, be, um, so, so, so for me, seeing the trade happen on the street, I've seen that before, but I keep thinking, what's next? Because there's a whole group of people who they've maybe gone to school or done, or done other things in terms of making clothing that they'd like to kind of thrive as well, but the infrastructure isn't quite there. Right. So when you see that, um, Dr. Nana Yao, what's the, what is that trajectory, the future of, of the folks out there? That, that's a difficult question to answer. I, I think that for the most part, we really pride ourselves on education or the want for yeah. education. Um, sometimes resources are limited, and likely that the, the reason why they're out there hawking is because they're raising money for school. You know what? Mm -hmm. This is the other thing. You know, It's weird to watch things in a vacuum or Correct. to hear something, right? So you, you've been taught certain things about Africa because it's it's a continent, mm -hmm. damn it, you know? But we've been taught certain things, Americans, all Americans. Black Americans in particular have, have a lens that we, we know we're connected, but we don't understand how exactly, because we don't know where we're from. So it, there's a, a year return. What I see is a lot of people here, black Americans, trying to find their roots or trying to find their self. I have a little bit of a different perspective, right? So for me, it's like I'm, I'm whole. I come here whole. I'm not lacking, I'm not searching. 
But what I found was op not opportunity, not in the, in the normal way. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not sitting here, even though I know that I got like a white man mentality in me. The opportunity and exploitation. Yeah, right. and I had to I had to fight with myself because immediately my I was like, oh, well, I can come here and do this, and oh, this can be better. You know, I was mm -hmm. working through it, talking out loud. Why don't we do? Or why can't we do? And it's immediately you want to come in and fix something. Correct. That is so European, and I was like. Damn, I'm indoctrinated. I gotta um, un. So I had to sit back, talk it out, have y'all look at me crazy, and then go. Okay, I'm not. See Let me just sit and see. But what when I went to Aunt Maggie's house, which I want to do a whole podcast on at some point. Your Aunt Maggie. She sold kerosene on the streets. We went to the road that she walked up. She and her sisters every day to go to. Get fruits three point one miles up three point one mile every mm -hmm. day, or go to the to get the water from the river. Mm -hmm. She sold kerosene on her head, on which somebody needs to open a school to teach people in America how to do how to balance their head like that. But she did it for school, and went to school. And I know she's mad wealthy now. She owns gas stations and things, right? But we judge people who are on them streets because mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. So I just want to, you know, I'm, I got to admit that anybody that comes here, you're going to have a judgment based on your colonized mind, based on the indoctrination of what people are supposed to be doing. And in America, we have a high premium on wealth, ascension, the American dream, all of these things we chase, we chase, we chase. But it's not, it's not true. It's not true because people here, you don't know who's poor and who's rich. Mm -hmm. Aunt Maggie's rich, right? I mean, super wealthy wouldn't know it. May, well, you wouldn't know if you went to our house because she got swimming pool and stuff. <laughs> but if you saw her on the street, you know, you, may, yeah. you wouldn't know it. And there are people here that are flossing who may not be as rich. The people on the street that may be just fine. The people driving and cleaning houses or whatever that are comfortable, more comfortable than people in America. But through our lens, you're poor. And I think we need to make that adjustment because that was my epiphany. Like, and then the other the other thing too is all these people on the street are selling wares. You know, if they're so poor, where are they getting their supply from? You know what I mean? Like we saw one lady actually killing a chicken, and then frying the chicken by her house to, in her her kiosk. But again, you know, that's her chicken though. Those are her chickens. Those are her goats. Those are her plantains. Those are her yams. Those are her everything that she's grown and and made. And you know, now I'm gonna pick it and I'm gonna sell it. But the stuff that we could get at the grocery store back in America, people had to go somewhere, pay for that, exactly. come out on the street. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how do you know you're going to sell? Mm -hmm. Like, you could be out there. It's hot. First of all, let me just say Africa is, I have a post on YouTube that says Africa is hot. It's literally hot. Like, <laughs> like it's hot. It was 90 degrees yeah, yesterday yes, in December. Yeah. It no, it didn't. It was a nice breeze. It was, yeah. it was, it was nice. Mm -hmm. The day it rained, which was unusual, by the way, because we're not in a rainy season. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we brought something supernatural here. I'm not going to go into that yet. But, um, yeah, it's really hot to be out there all day selling, walking that street. Mm -hmm. Takes another level of fortitude that I don't see with a lot of folk in and America. dedication. You're there every day mm -hmm. on that same corner. You're walking. You go to get your stuff. At what time? In the morning before dawn? Because we were up at 6 going someplace. They were out there. Yeah. First of all, they were out there. Some people out there jogging. Six o'clock. Yeah, in the that morning. was a Sunday. Yeah, I love. I'm like collectively, collectively the jogging. The entire neighborhood running, 
everybody. I was like, where are they running to? <laughs> it was like, no. And it's kind of, I guess, the unspoken, which I didn't know. And our cousin, which was who was with us, said, oh, yeah, I jog every day. We were like, well, how do people know where to be? Is there a flyer? No, <laughs> we just start and people just join. Mm -hmm. And then it ends up in a, a soccer game. I think one time we saw the, them playing volleyball also. Yeah. Yeah, in the afternoon. I, right. There's so much here that I'm not going to talk about on radio. So I'm going to try to get to some of this on this podcast, but I'm not going to do a whole lot because people need to have their own experience. Because, again, this is an individual experience. You mm -hmm. guys, this was invaluable for me. I could not I could not have experienced this without you two. This way. Yeah, I would have gone to a hotel, mm -hmm. would have had some fancy, because there are fancy things here, you know, fancy experience, showing all the good things, because that's what people do, and then we're going to the village, you know, because, you know, that's the village thing, and we'll go see the poor people, right. and then right. we'll go, you know, and then that night we party, right. and then we come back, and we, oh, I'm in Africa, oh, I bathe in the water, went to the castles, I smelled the smells, mm -hmm. I, I cried, my ancestors went through the wall, the whole, the doorway, side, you know, yeah. I could go through all of that. Right. Right. But that's not the Afro that's not right. the Ghanaian experience. Right. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head in the beginning in terms of what is your intention, right? And so for me, this trip became what you intended it to be and it began with that openness. But the one of the things that I said on June twelfth when we were on your show is, you know, people talk a lot about African Americans, what we don't have, what we don't do. One of the things that I've seen, not only in my research, but just in terms of living in America is the, you appreciate to me the African-American resilience. The fact that we're still standing after what we've seen here, what we went through, and, and we are still thriving in the United States. We have a long way to go, but the fact that we're still standing, and a lot of the principles that we have here in Ghana, that occurs. There's also that collectivity, that family unity. So that's there. there there's an opportunity to expand it, just like in every culture, but I don't think we talk a lot about our inherent jewels. Like, we went through a whole lot, but the being enslaved wasn't our beginning, right? And no. we, and we, sometimes I think we walk around as if it is our beginning. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting. As you're talking, I know there's somebody out there, Shh, her family's from Ghana, she's not African-American. All right, 2020, we're gonna stop that. We're gonna, we're gonna stop, we're gonna stop letting people divide us. Um, because what I also learned, and we're gonna talk, I'm gonna have a conversation about the castles probably when y'all go to the gym. Because <laughs> they work out every day, y'all. They're in great shape. I'm gonna sit here and talk to you. Um, but I'm just being honest. Um, seven out of 10 people didn't make it out of the castle. Seven out of 10. Seven out of 10. And they shipped 3,000 a yeah. month. Mm -hmm. Think about it. They had to ship 3,000 a month to the New World and other, other places, right? So they had. The, the women's quarters, 1,000, excuse me, thank you for the correction, 1,000 a month, 400, I was gonna do the numbers, 400 um, women, women, 600 men, 400 women, 600 men, we, we st stood in both of those spaces that they crammed these people in. Seven out of 10 died, seven out of 10 were murdered, seven out of 10 had their lives taken from them which means seven out of 10 did not get on that boat. We mm -hmm. talk about the, the millions of maybe 400 million bodies in the ocean. We don't talk about the seven out of 10,000 a day for f 400 years mm -hmm. that didn't make it onto the boat. Mm -hmm. People with families, villages, futures, lives, snuffed out because of an evil system that I'm gonna get into, but. All with the, with the church right on top, on of, top the, of, them of the praying. dungeons. Just in this country though. Yeah. This is just. There's Nigeria, there's Liberia, mm -hmm. there's, uh, you know, all on this coast, this was the Gold Coast, 
Ghana was. You think about that, and then people still walking to, to, to fight. They fought. They fought. They had places for people who fought because mm -hmm. nobody just went willingly. And I'm, I'm processing that, too, because that's all a connection to who we are. That's in our DNA. I'm not, I know my DNA is not from Ghana, but all of us as human beings, you know, and then what it takes to actually keep a system going for 400 years. I want to talk about that because I need us to build systems in 2020 and beyond. But I let, let me let y'all go to the gym because y'all sitting here and look, looking at me like I, I need to work out this for, for the family, for the, for the family. <laughs> right. But I thank you. We're going to do more of these. Um, I want to thank Dr. Dr. Um, Nana Yao, Dr. Michelle Yaboa. Yes. You're welcome. Oh, okay. Akwaba. How about that? Akwaba. Madase. Endase. Endase. No, you're, you're right. Ma you're right. So Madase means thank endase. you. And we say Endase. Endase is. You don't have to thank us. We're going to talk about language too. <laughs> All right. Appreciate y'all.